Well, last week we began our summer equipping series in the book of Proverbs. Mike Vogt, one of our elders, opened the book of Proverbs, gave us an introduction. You gotta, gotta understand certain things about Proverbs if you're gonna interpret and apply them correctly. I want you to review that if you missed it. It did a great job. And then he looked at how wisdom handles wealth. So you wanna make sure you look at that. By the way, the, the, the images that the team has produced for this Proverbs series, the first time I saw them, I thought it looks like safari land. I mean, I go, is it Proverbs? What are we in? But you know, if you go out, when you get your communion cups, they have listed every item on this because Proverbs speaks so much of just common everyday things and animals and stuff. And that's why uh, the visual looks <coughs> as it does. <coughs> now we're gonna be in more than Proverbs this summer. So I'm just gonna give you a very quick preview of what the summer will be. We're gonna be in Proverbs all the way till June uh, 13th. We're gonna have an opportunity to hear from Monty Spurgeon, one of those Rob and I will teach, but then Monty Spurgeon, our pastor of student ministries here will teach, which is awesome. Gives all of us a chance to hear from that man who leads our student ministry here at Brentwood. And then, and then here's where we're going for the latter part of the summer, June 27th um, <clears throat> or June 20th, we're gonna do something Rob and I have always wanted to do. And that is we're gonna, we're gonna take some extended time and focus on one particular issue. And it is the issue of life, relationships. And we've asked uh, really probably the best qualified person on, on our team to teach. Larry Kayser, a pastor of Marriage Ministries, is gonna teach a four-week series, four weeks here at Brentwood, <clears throat> on biblical relationships. Not marriage, it, 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 it'll include that, but it's marriage, single, but it's biblical relationships. Um, grounding us in the fundamentals. It's not gonna be a typical sermon series, just so you know. Think of it as like a, a summer seminary class on the foundations of relational health. Um, I am super excited about that. We're gonna wrap it up on June 25th and I will do that with Lindsay Castleman <coughs> who directs our counseling center. And uh, I'm telling you, we will get into some topics in that time that Larry has touched on, but we'll go a bit deeper with Lindsay. We won't wanna miss that. Okay, speaking of relationships, <coughs> I've chosen a proverb today that addresses what is perhaps the most difficult, confusing, and damaging relationship in all of our lives. My observation is that we as Christians, <clears throat> we don't handle these relationships well. I'm talking to myself when I say this, I think we handle these relationships worse than those who don't know Jesus, that have no faith. Um, wisdom's gonna be brutal on us today in a good way. It's gonna make us very uncomfortable. It will discomfort us, but I'm gonna assure you of this. If we will listen to wisdom, and remember this, if you listen to wisdom, it doesn't mean you have wisdom. You listen to wisdom and you live wisdom, then you have wisdom. So if we will hear it, even as it disturbs us, that disturbance will give way <clears throat> to that which gives life if we live it. October 2016, Todd Orr uh, was hiking in a Montana. He was in Ma Montana's Madison Valley. <clears throat> he came across a she-bear, a grizzly with two cubs. It was about 80 yards away. <clears throat> As he describes it, immediately the mother bear began to charge 80 yards at 25 feet, which is about when he could do it, he discharged his full bear spray, you know, the whole cloud. <clears throat> at her speed, 
She went through it like it was a water mist and she was on him. He writes, she was on top of me, biting my arms, shoulders and backpack. The force of each bite was like a sledgehammer with teeth. She would stop for a few seconds, then bite again over and over and over. After what seemed like an eternity, she disappeared. He suffered a broken left arm, multiple lacerations. It took eight hours to put him back together. Now, in nature, right? Probably the greatest natural threat would be for any of us to cross paths with a predator and her cubs. But here's the thing. I don't think any of us are ever gonna face that. Maybe some of you have or will, but we don't live in grizzly country. But what if I were to say to you that there is, there is something that's more, there's something that's worse than being attacked by a mother grizzly. And I said to you, <clears throat> that danger is sitting in this room. And then what if I said this, not only that, that danger could be in your home. And then what if I said this, I'm a, quite frankly, you can't go through a day without coming across this danger. Some of you are going, well, if I've lived this long and I don't know what it is, stop talking, right? I don't need to know, you know, what it is. <clears throat> well, the Bible won't leave us there because that identifies the danger and we need to pay attention to it. With that, I'm gonna have you open your Bibles to Proverbs 17. I'm gonna be hitting some Proverbs so fast, we're just gonna be seeing them on the screen today. <clears throat> You're not gonna have time to, <clears throat> excuse, turn in your Bible to hit them. But we'll start with Proverbs 17, verse 12. Listen to Solomon's words. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Now, you can't say it any plainer than this. Here's Solomon saying, he's saying, dealing with a fool is more dangerous, is more harmful to your life than being attacked by a grizzly bear. So how do we recognize this fool, you know, to avoid? Well, two things we need to, recognize the fool and then we need to know how to, de- how to relate to the fool. So this is a very simple outline. Here's what I'm gonna do today and I'm gonna move quickly. I'm gonna talk about how we recognize a fool. I'm gonna talk about secondly, how to relate to a fool. That's the message. How to, <clears throat> how to recognize a fool. I'm gonna talk about what a fool believes and belief leads to behavior. So then I'm gonna say, well, how does a fool behave? And we're gonna paint a portrait. And my guess is that this portrait is just gonna get clearer and clearer as we move through these verses. Now I'm gonna talk in the masculine sense. So you'll hear me say he, him, but listen, the the fool is a she and a her. And I'll try and remember that as we move through this. Let's start this way, just broad category. Let's get clear the difference between a cultural fool and a biblical fool. And the easiest way to do this is, you know, to, to, to remind us of some things that, that we think of when I say, aren't there some fools out there? And you go, oh my gosh, have you seen the YouTube video? Or, you, you know, that's kind of where we go. Like, this is back, gosh, this is several years back, but man arrested in Fort Worth, Texas, robbing a Taco Bell. Went in, robbed the Taco Bell, give me all your money and a chalupa. And, and so while he's waiting on the chalupa, they arrest him, you know, like what an idiot. <laughs> or the guy who's got thinking more is better 
And so he's got a tiny, you know, one bedroom apartment. He's got bugs. I'm gonna get rid of the bugs. It says take two cans of bug bomb and set it off. He takes 25 cans, right? Takes 25 cans of bug bomb, sets off 25 cans in this tiny apartment, hits the pilot light, blows the whole thing apart. Or this one, now this is, this is somewhat a recent picture, but you've seen it all, you know, maybe we've done this. The, the, the guy trying to get his furniture home. <clears throat> this is out in Mobile, Alabama. It's got an LSU tag on it, so there you have it. I, I, or it's in Alabama, I'm going, it's an Alabama grad, who knows. But there's another picture of this one, and you can see the side view and the guy's driving like this, you know, looking down through there. And we all go, that's, you know, I'm gonna use this word, that's stupid, that's so dumb, you know, and that's the cultural fool. And I'm telling you guys, when you see a cultural fool, easy to identify, easy to avoid. The biblical fool, it's another category. The fool of Proverbs doesn't rob stores and order chalupas. The biblical fool weaves a web of deceit around relationships to rob people of their sanity and to get what they want. <clears throat> the fool of scripture won't burn 25 bug bombs, you know, in his apartment, but they will detonate emotional grenades that strain friendships, that <clears throat> cripple a marriage, that, that actually hold a whole family hostage <clears throat> to get their agenda. The fool in Proverbs, this is so important, is not unintelligent, but he or she is utterly sinful and their sin is horribly devastating to anyone who crosses their path. Now with that, I'm gonna give you, um, we're gonna look at the Hebrew words for a fool. So we're gonna paint this portrait. There's three Hebrew words that are translated fool in our Bible. The first one, you'll see this on the screen is kasil. The Arabic root of this means sluggish, uh, thick. Uh, th this carries the idea when we see it in our Bibles, this is the closed-minded, stubborn person. This, I'm gonna <clears throat> put a word with each of these, thick-headed. So you know, you know somebody's just thick, Headed. The, the Casile's the person, note this, who's always right and thinks they know it all. Again, it's not an intellectual issue. It is a character deficiency. The second Hebrew word is avil. Uh, avil, that's how you pronounce it. It virtually means the same, but it adds this, <clears throat> it adds a darker shade because it carries the idea of moral perversion and arrogance. This is the person who's unanswerable to anyone. His only authority being himself. Let's call this characteristic hard-hearted, hard-hearted. And then there's a third word. It's only three times in Proverbs, but throughout Psalms, Old Testament, it's used, it's Nabal. <clears throat> and we get the sense of Nabal from Psalm 51, which says this, the Nabal, the fool, has said in his heart, there is no God. In other words, the Nabal lacks spiritual uh, insight and, and perception. I'm gonna unpack that in a moment, but <clears throat> you combine all three of these and you don't get America's dumbest criminal. You know, you know what you get? You get a person uh, who is not open to the views of others who resists and rejects all authority but their own and who refuses to see the spiritual side of life. <clears throat> so I wanna be careful here that when I say, you know, spiritually short-sighted, the, 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 the fool in scripture can be very spiritual. And this is what's so damnable about it, quite frankly. And it's so confusing because the, they spiritualize things, 
but there is no fruit of the Spirit that comes out of their life. So do you see, this is what's so crazy because they can spiritualize all day long. <clears throat> now I'm gonna take a smaller brush and we're gonna go, okay, well, what do they, what do they believe and then how do they behave? So let's real quick, what, are, what does a fool believe? I got three things. The first is this, he's always right. He's always right. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, the fool despises <clears throat> wisdom or outer perspective other than their own. Why? Because they don't think they, there's anything else to be known but that which what I know. The fool is the person who, he, they can't admit a mistake genuinely admit it. They can't own up to failure and they constantly shift blame. Have you ever had an issue with someone and your intent is as good as it can be, recognize that we carry sin in all of our hearts, but your intent is as good as it can be. And so you go to a person because there's a character flaw and you care about them and you want to address it. It's, it's corrective biblically. You're, you're aware of your own sin. You go in humility and maybe you go to that person because they've done something that's harmed you, that hurts you, and you want to restore, et cetera. And it's just, you know, you just, it's very clear what happened. Again, I'm, I'm not, I know there's two sides to everything, but it's clear to you what's happened. And you come in and offer that. And within minutes, the conversation suddenly not what you're offering, but what they're telling you. And, and you're kind of taken aback. And next thing you know, you go, well, oh, oh, oh my gosh, I saw it all wrong. It was me thought it was you, but no, it's me. And, and you, I wanna be careful here because I know we carry our own stuff in, but I'm telling you, it, oftentimes you, you could be dealing with a fool. And, and, and because of these characteristics of a fool, you begin to think you're crazy <clears throat> versus this person is being foolish or is a fool. <clears throat> I wanna say this as strongly as I can. I've said this many times. Uh, recognizing you're not foolproof, you know, and and it, but but again, I'm speaking of someone who comes with genuine humility and curiosity to offer to someone, and it just gets turned on you. Um, the loving thing is it, the loving, quite frankly, the loving thing is not to step back and walk out and go, "I guess I'm I I'm I'm the problem here," because that's where you. That's not healthy. It's not right. It's not biblical. <clears throat> but is the healthy thing would actually be curious enough to let the fool speak and be curious enough <clears throat> to let them show you who they are. Now, why do I say that? You know, I, I've mentioned a quote, but <clears throat> been very meaning, helpful to me out of a book called Fierce Conversations. Susan Scott said it, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. I'm just telling you as, as people of faith, we often <clears throat> are not as quick <clears throat> and appropriate to just, Someone shows you who they are, that's who they are. We, we, we just wanna shade it. We wanna over-spiritualize it. We can tend to do that. You don't wanna do that with a fool. Secondly, a fool believes he's the center of the universe. <clears throat> Boy, this all ties together. Um, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion, Proverbs 18.2. <clears throat> Why does a fool like to talk about themselves? See their only perspective? Because that's the only perspective they have. They're self-centered because they're self-reliant, self-sufficient. Their, no, their, their, their trust cannot get outside of themselves, can no, go no further than what they know and what they choose. 
to believe. And then there's a third thing a fool believes, and that is he can talk his way out of anything. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> this is where the fool exposes themselves. Proverbs 18, seven, the mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. <clears throat> if you're in a conversation with a fool, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. <clears throat> they will start saying things that don't quite add up. There will be half-truths. It's not total, it'll be just kind of half-truths. <clears throat> You'll find your mouth full of words because they'll put them there. <clears throat> it just keeps coming. It's like they're an artesian well <laughs> of um, twisted truths. They're always right, why? They're, and they're always right because they're the center of the universe. So that's just a, you know, I'm gonna be careful, but we, again, we can hold it with some tension, but go, there's some characteristics of what a fool believes. How about how they behave? So if they're thinking that, then what do they do? What does their life look like? Well, let me give you three of these. Number one, he or she will not engage in healthy conflict. <clears throat> he or she will not engage in healthy conflict. Proverbs 29, and by the way, I hate conflict, you know, so, so I'm not saying you don't, it's not hard, but don't engage it in a healthy way. Proverbs 29, nine. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs and there is no quiet. I'm telling you, if, if you live life long enough, you will experience this. If a wise person has an argument with a fool, let me tell you what you're gonna experience if you're the wise person. Rage or laughter. There is no quiet. There is no in-between. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen, there... There is no such thing as a healthy relationship unless there is conflict in the relationship that is resolved. Healthy relationships are not conflict free. In fact, you can't even have a healthy relationship without conflict. <clears throat> but it's the resolution of that conflict that makes it healthy. You need to get anything less than that out of your mind. It's not true. And you go, well, look, we never argue. You don't have a healthy relationship. <laughs> and you go, well, you don't know me. Well, I know the Bible. And the Bible says we're all fallen. And there is no way <clears throat> that you can get, gain intimacy with another human being without failing that human being and hurting that human being. That's our fallen state. And so you're gonna have conflict. But is it resolved? Well, the fool will not resolve conflict in a healthy biblical way. And you see when you go, well, why? Because it's all about them because they can only see their perspective. That's what a fool brings to a conflict. <laughs> not resolution, but my side. And we're all guilty of this. You know, I'm not, I'm not casting any stones as I say this. And what's so painful is you have a, you, if you genuinely try and resolve something with a fool, I'm telling you the proverb will, 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 is true. You will either experience laughter, you will be scoffed at, diminished, dismissed, right? Or you will experience rage. The extremes, but nothing in between. Well, there's a second behavior. <clears throat> he's, a repeat, he's a repeat offender. He or she will not engage healthy conflict. Secondly, he's a repeat offender. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. How about that for a picture? 
If you find yourself in a relationship with a fool, expect your life to feel like you are on the Ferris wheel of insanity. It's okay, something's wrong, I'm gonna address this. Oh, I'm the problem, I'm too busy to resolve this. Life goes on, something's wrong, I need to address this. Oh, I'm the problem, I feel devalued. I'm too busy to fix this, let me go on. Oh my gosh, it's okay, no something. It is a Ferris wheel of insanity. I hope you get off of it by the power of the Spirit today. So the biblical fool will not engage in healthy conflict resolution. They will be a repeat offender. And then finally, they use anger inappropriately. Anger, wow. All emotions are good. They're God-given. Anger is a powerful emotion, good emotion. Anger moves us to fight what's wrong and evil. But I'm telling you, you can, you can use anger inappropriately, which is what the proverb says. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. <clears throat> Beware the fool's anger. Blogger Natalie Hoffman helps us. I, I just came across this and I think she's helpful because she gives us some thoughts about anger. You know, there's overt anger, which we all know when we see it. We've all, you know, we've all blown up. But then there's covert anger that, that, that gets in and it just sits there and you don't even know it's anger and it's just tearing you up. She offers these as suggestions, irritability, withholding information, questioning what you say, arguing, disagreeableness, rolling eyes, scoffing, dismissing silence, pretending not to understand, accusing, blame. You know, this, this is anger coming at you. Now, I, I'm thinking all of us in the room or most many of us have, have like, oh my gosh, I got a picture in my mind of the, <laughs> of the fool. Um, so how do we relate to the fool in our lives? How do we love them? Okay, that's what I'm gonna say. How do we, because the gospel is, is our, it's what we lead with. I'm gonna tell you this. I, I, I reworked this part of the message several times and I come at you with an incomplete list. Um, I'm no expert. Uh, I wanna stay with what the scripture says, not my opinion, um, Proverbs doesn't give any simple formulas. You all know this because we teach the Bible through. The Bible didn't give simple formulas, A, B, C, D, and you'll get this. Do one, two, three, four. The Bible's not that way. The Bible gives us Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the mystery of faith, the courage to trust Christ. <clears throat> he does give us guiding principles. The Spirit lives in us to inform and encourage and empower us. Um, and so that's what I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you four words. <laughs> Again, trying to make this doable um, in the power of the spirit. <laughs> Let me give you these four words that, that I think biblically do guide us. Not complete, but a start. Here's the first thing you need to understand about relating to a fool. And this is the first thing. <clears throat> and this, there, there is no collect $200 and go past go without this. This is where, where it begins. It begins with the realization that you cannot change a fool. Stop trying. You can't change a fool. <clears throat> but you've got to go a step further. And so the word I'm going to give you is not realization. The word I'm going to give you is accept. What do you mean accept? Here, here's what I mean. I mean, accept the reality <coughs> that there is no rationale 
There's no emotional pleading. There's no logic. There's nothing you can, there's nothing you can do to change the fool in your life. So, so Lloyd, are you saying there's no hope for a fool? I'm gonna tell you what the Bible says. I'm gonna tell you what Proverbs says. There is very little hope for a fool. You see, for the fool to change would mean the fool becomes an unfool and recognizes their foolishness. Now, unless the spirit of God changes their heart, um, there is no hope for change. Now, even in me saying that, do you feel hope rise? And it should, because we're all fools and God changed our hearts. But it's not you, it's the spirit of God that must go to work on that person's heart. That's the only hope for a fool. And, and quite frankly, thank God that's the only hope <laughs> because that's the only power that can change a heart. Now, my observation, <clears throat> Lloyd observation, Christians, we, me, we tend to hesitate calling a fool a fool. We will do anything to avoid it, feeling like that'd be mean or that's not right. Um, we're not loving, you know, if we do that. Well, let me tell you what's, what's not loving. What's not loving is not calling a fool a fool. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. My own, this is my own experience that when I've had engagements with, with fools in my life and, and, you know, we all do, my lack of, in, of biblical love toward that person has had way more to do with my lack of courage with my fear of missing out or losing, you know what I'm saying? It was all of that was wrapped up in it. My, my lack of faith to, to, to love well, that's what it had to do with. Had way more to do with that than this person is a fool and God, God needs to be at work in their life and I need to act appropriately that God can work. So as well-meaning Christians, what I suggest we sometimes do is we actually thwart the work of the Spirit by shielding the fool from the full weight of their foolishness. And so the fool never feels the, the punishing devastation of their foolishness because it all gets dispersed to everyone around the fool. What might it look like to step back and let the Holy Spirit crush the fool? It would look redemptive, painful, but redemptive. If there's hope for a fool to change, it comes when the immense and unbearable weight of their foolishness crushes them. And it's loving to let the spirit do that. First is accept. The second word I'm gonna give you is connect. Connect. Listen to Proverbs 13, 20. <clears throat> the first part, he who walks with wise men will be wise. <coughs> but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Let me, let me say this. If you go one-on-one -on -one with a fool, you are outnumbered one to a hundred. That's the math. You, you can't go one-on-one -on -one with a fool. You are way, way outnumbered. And so what, what do we do? Well, you walk with wise people. 
It requires you to be connected with and note the passage says, walk with, be in relationship with those who are spiritually mature and wise and can pull you back and say, hey, let's, let's take a look at this. Let me help you see what you're dealing with here. That person's not a fool, they're just foolish or that person's a fool and you need to do this. You cannot do it alone, cannot do it alone. I'm telling you whether it's a spiritually mature friend, you know, a, a pastor, someone, you know, in, in your world, um, a, a therapist, a counselor. We got a dozen in our spiritual counseling center that would sit with you and help you navigate this. You've got to connect with others who can help you discern how to deal with the fool in your life. Accept, connect. Third is detach. Now this is, ooh, this is tricky. Listen to Proverbs 14, seven. Very straightforward, stay away from fools for you won't find knowledge on their lips. <coughs> Excuse me. The order's important. You accept, you can't change them. You connect, you gotta, you gotta be walking with wise people before you go to this, this point, you know, navigate this. You've got to be connected. Then you detach. What do you mean? Well, you... You've got to create distance between you and their folly. One translation reads like this, leave the presence of a fool. You don't reason with him, you don't argue with him. And I know this, I know some of you are thinking this because it's real. It's easier said than done. Some of you are married to a fool. And I'm glad no one laughed, you know, because it's not funny. And others of you go, well, it's my, they're relatives. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? We have these relationships. And so I get it. You go, how do I, how do I detach from my husband? My brother, my sister, my dad, I don't know. You know, that's hard. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not, this is not an out for me. It's the best I think I can offer in our time. And I think it's extremely helpful. I'm gonna offer, I'm gonna recommend two books because there's some chapters in these books that are super helpful. And if I would just, I would just play, I'm not plagiarize, but I'd say, look, I'm gonna quote this and I'd just read it to you because it's so helpful. So, you know, I've got maybe seven or eight books in my world that I, that are go-to, that I give, that I've, that have shaped me in many ways. And I'm gonna recommend these two. And by the way, I didn't say it's last service. And I wanna say it here. If you can't afford these books, you tell me and I will get these in your hand um, with, with no shame. You know, we need, need these. The first book, I keep stocked away. I, I've given away so many of these. It's called Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. Some of you have read it because I've recommended it so many times before. Uh, Christian counselor, therapist. Um, if you've been living in a fog of foolishness, I'm telling you, he's got a chapter about identifying a fool that will just blow the fog away. Um, my son's starting his career and I, I was in this this weekend. I shot him and I'm always recommending books. I said, hey, darn, have I recommended this to you? And and I meant this when I said, I said, had I known what this book teaches, had I known this earlier in my career, I would have saved a lot of people, a lot of pain, including myself. So that book, the second book is by Dan Allender and Tremper Longman. It's called Bold Love. Um, it's an older, this is, you know, an older book, but outstanding in terms of intimacy and what genuine intimacy is. We got, we got some weird ideas about intimacy and relationships that, this is thoroughly biblical. Um, he's got a chapter called Loving a Fool. And, and I couldn't offer you anything better than to say, look at this chapter because it's, it's biblically grounded. It is so 
clear and it is eminently practical. Not easy. No, 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 not easy. It doesn't, it's not perfect, but it'll give you a roadmap on what I'm talking about here when I say you've got to detach from the fool for their good and your own. And then the last one, last word, accept, connect, detach, repent, repent. Why do I land here? <clears throat> because you can't change a fool, but you can let God change your own heart. It always begins with repentance, our own. Um, you know, I've, I've painted a picture here of the fool, I think, I, I literally, you, you, this is gonna shock you, but I literally have a portrait of a fool that I wanna show you. Do you wanna see it? I think you will. So, so, so as you look at the fool, right? Um, you're going, oh my gosh, that's so stupid, Lloyd. Well, let me say this. Um, if you look at this, I, I start here because I want you to know, and I do, I, you know, I'll, I'll look at myself. Woo, what a fool. So, I want you to know all of us, there's a fool in all of us, but for the mercy and grace of God. But when you look at this and, and in all kidding aside, if you're able to look at it, see yourself and go, I play the fool. Can I tell you something? You're not a fool. You're foolish. You do foolish things. But hear me, I mean this. You're not a biblical fool if you can look at yourself and recognize I have foolishness in me. We're foolish. Does that make sense? So I want to be careful because if you hold that up to the fool, do you know what they will say? Look at the guy behind me. <laughs> look at the person next to me. See, the fool will never own I'm a fool. So I hope, I, I want to encourage you with that. If, if, if the spirit is at work in your heart and you're able to, to own it, then no, you're not a fool, but we all have foolishness. <clears throat> And so our first step is always coming to the cross, coming to Christ in repentance ourselves. And I'm gonna invite the band back out because they're gonna help us do this. Just practical application, moving out of this very difficult text. <laughs> they're gonna lead us in a brief corporate confession. So good for the soul. Listen, the Christian, you know what the Christian life is? The Christian life is repentance. We'll never get beyond repentance. And so, 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 so may this mark us, but even on this very difficult topic, let us begin here. So we're gonna do a corporate confession and then Lindsay's gonna have a stand and we're gonna sing. And you know, they've been very intentional about the songs they've chosen. And, and this one's intentional in that <coughs> we'll end with a song where we're declaring the goodness of God and the goodness of Jesus because that's the only place, that's the only place you can be where you can engage, detach, love, do whatever needs to be done with the fool in your life. From that place of resting in the goodness and the wholeness and the rightness and the trueness of all that Jesus is for you and in you. So that will be the place we stand to rest, even as we live this choose this very difficult path of biblically relating to the fool in our life. <laughs>